Hi, my name is Jim. I'm a compulsive overeater and a lot of other things, and uh, grateful to be here. I'm very grateful that Overeaters Anonymous has taken over 100 pounds off my body and kept it off for over four decades. And uh, that's, that's the miracle of this program, you know, because I'm a walking miracle. And, you know, back, you know, when I was uh, fat, you know, I'd read all those statistics which say, you know, fat children become fat adults and fat people never lose the weight. They never, they gain it all back. And, uh, well, um, I'm a miracle because uh, you know, this program has kept the weight off for over four decades now. So, Anyways, the story of my life is I'm your basic plain garden variety compulsive overeater. I mean, I was a fat kid. I only have 20 minutes, not 20 years to speak. So uh, the uh, I'll, I'll skip most of the, the tale of woe in four-part harmony, all the names I was called, blah, 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 blah. The uh, But uh, one of them was Beach Ball. I was so round. But anyhow, the... Um, One of my first diet when I was 10 years old, promptly lost about 30 pounds, about half of what I needed to lose. And uh, and then I I took that first bite and I went into relapse and I could not get back on my diet. And that was the story of my life. I'd get sick and tired of being fat. I'd go on some kind of weight loss and exercise scheme. It would work for a little while. And then for reasons yet obscure... I'd pick up the food and I could not get back on because I'm a food addict. And, you know, I was always sort of bargaining with the food. Well, if only I can do this, then I can eat anything. You know, I always thought that, you know, when I lost the weight, I'd then be able to eat anything I wanted, right? Because I'd be cured. <laughs> not. The, um, whatever is wrong with my brain chemistry is still wrong. That uh, even though I've been abstinent for uh, over 41 years now, the uh, fact remains is I'm like somebody's lost his legs. I'm not going to grow new ones. And uh, I need to be constantly reminded of that because the minute I forget that is when my relapse is going to start. And I don't want to go back there because I know I've got another binge in me. I don't know if I have another recovery in me. You know, I've been hanging around these rooms for many years now and uh, seen a lot of people come and go, a lot of people go and come back. And I've seen a lot of people who had a good long abstinence going and then for reasons yet obscure, you know, a special event or something came up and the next thing you know, they're 100 pounds heavier. And I don't want to go back there because I can remember what it was like, you know, when uh, the chest pains would hit and I didn't even know if I was going to wake up the next day and thinking, is this a bit, is this the big heart attack? And so I made out my will at the age of 22. I mean, that's, that's where this disease brought me. But along the way, I tried a couple of geographic cures and uh, finally stumbled into OA. And the way I got abstinent was they told me to go to 90 OA meetings in 90 days. Didn't quite make that many. I don't claim perfection by any means. But I started going, started calling in my food, and started abstaining. And while I was going to all these meetings, and by the way, I found that the more OA meetings I get to, the easier it is for me to eat properly. Why it is that way, I have no idea. It just is. And so if I don't want to be fighting the cravings for the food, it really helps to go to a lot of Overeaters Anonymous meetings 
and to work with other people in program. Because you know, working with others is really the foundation stone of our recovery. You know, if you think about AA, it was founded by a couple of drunks who discovered that by themselves they couldn't stay sober. But when they put their faith into action through helping another drunk, it kept them out of the booze. There's a great story told about Bill W., and uh, who knows, it might even be true. Uh, even if it is, I'll probably mangle it. But it goes like this. You know, he'd gotten this idea that if he worked with other drunks, it would help him stay sober. But it was the very early days of AA, and you know, a bunch of these guys he were working with weren't getting it. And one day, you know, his wife Lois came home from the department store where she worked, and Bill goes, Lois, it's not working. None of these drunks are getting sober. And Lois looked at him and said, but Bill, it is working. You're sober. And that's the way this program works. That, uh, you know, when we work with other overeaters, it helps us stay out of the food. Why that is doesn't really matter. We talk about overeaters anonymous, not overeaters analysis. But when we work with others, it gives us a support network of people who can help us through those hard-to-handle highs and lows of our daily life. It gives us encouragement, role models. I've watched people go through every possible life circumstance imaginable without overeating. And it shows us what to avoid. I've seen people overeat for no reason at all. And and it also provides group norms, a bunch of people trying to do the same thing, trying to stay out of the food. More likely that together we'll be able to actually do it. Because I know I couldn't do it by myself. Hey, if any of us could have done it by ourselves, we wouldn't be here. But, uh, so the fact that we're here is pretty much evidence that nothing else worked for us. So anyhow, you know, I am a 100-pounder and, and I love 100-pounders meetings uh, because I identify the most with uh, you know, people who've been where I've been around the food. Um, you know, when somebody who's never been fat says, push yourself away from the table, I want to tell them where to shove it. But when somebody who's been where I've been around the food says, don't eat no matter what, I go, wow, that's profound. I'll have to do that. And uh, so I was uh, living in San Francisco, still pretty new in program, in December 1981, when Angela A. started the San Francisco 100-pounders meeting. And remember the meeting very vividly because, you know, there were four of us there at Vincentian Villa. And, uh, you know, the uh, meeting was you know, very important, you know, because it was like, wow, here are people who've been where I've been around the food. People who know what it's like to shop in the big and tall shop. People who know what it's like, you know, to break chairs, to have stretch marks all over the place. People who know what it's like to experience the kind of job discrimination that we've suffered in this program. And later on, as uh, life took me to Boston for a couple years, I started a 100-pounders meeting there. I came back to the Bay Area, started one in Oakland. Uh, That's where I met my lovely wife. Um, Moved to uh, Virginia, where uh, my wife and I started a Friday night 100-pounders meeting, which, by the way, is now uh, a Zoom meeting at 8 p.m. Eastern on uh, Friday nights. And uh, the... um, and also, uh, you know, we started uh, the 9 p.m. 100-pounders uh, phone meetings. 
you know, because, uh, you know, they help me stay out of the food. And that kind of service uh, is, uh, as, we, as we say in this program, service is slimming. Um, why it works? I don't know. It just does. You know, because, again, my philosophy of always doing what I see working for other industrial strength sickos like me. If it works for them, it'll probably work for me. And when I was new in program, I really worked real hard to reverse engineer other people's programs, trying to figure out, you know, what do they eat? What do they pray to? How do they work the steps? All that kind of stuff, expecting to find some, you know, mystical secret. But, you know, there really is no secret. You know, this is not a a secret society. Yes, we're an anonymous program, and that means we respect people's confidentiality and their privacy. But, you know, there's no secret about how we recover. That, uh, you know, we recover by working the 12 steps. Now, step one, admit we got a problem. Again, none of us would be here if we hadn't admitted to ourselves, at least, we've got some kind of problem. Step two is believing there's some kind of hope. Again, you wouldn't bother if you didn't have some kind of hope that this would help. Step three is making a decision to follow a spiritual program. And all it says is make a decision. And basically, nobody would have stuck around past step, past the beginning of the meeting if you hadn't made a decision to try something spiritual, whatever that means. And indeed, what I love about OA is the agnostic nature of the program. We talk about God, prayer, higher power, meditation, but we don't tell people who or what God is. It's God as you understand him. We uh, don't tell people what church to go to, what religion to practice or not practice, but we've found that those spiritual tools help us stay out of the food. Why they work doesn't matter. I don't really understand how my cell phone works, but all I know is as long as I've plugged it in, and paid my phone bill, it seems to work. And if it doesn't, I know where to go for tech support. And don't knock prayer and meditation if you haven't tried it. That uh, I knew a guy, he's since passed away, but he uh, lost more than I ever weighed in this program. And he said he prayed every day to a God he did not want to believe in. But as far as he was concerned, all it did was play around with the electrical waves in his brain but that was enough that uh, why these spiritual tools work doesn't really matter. They just do. And, <clears throat> and besides, step three only says making decisions. Don't say actually do it. You know, I can say, oh, I've decided to go to Pittsburgh in August. Well, there, you know, I've made the decision, but have I done anything? Have I made reservations? Have I told anybody I'm going to go there? No. But, you know, the decision's been made. You know, and later on, I'll implement that. But in order to get there, well, then we have the house cleaning steps. You know, step four, where we take a good hard look at ourselves. Now, when I uh, you know, first understood what that meant, it was like, wow, I get to study my favorite subject, which is me, so I can fix myself. Um, self-centeredness is one of my biggest character defects as well as grandiosity. And, um, you know, so I was looking forward to step four. But step five, admitting to another human, you've got to be kidding. I, that's the step I feared the most, that 
uh, don't know why I was afraid of it so much, but the uh, I generally tried to hide all my defects, not you know, share them with another human being. Ugh. Didn't want to do that. But you know what? Never met anybody who died from doing a fourth and fifth step. I've met a lot of people in this program who died from not working the steps. So, um, and then come the health cleaning steps. You know, well, whoops, almost forgot six and seven. You know, where we uh, become willing to have God take away our defects and then ask Him to do that. Those are actually painful steps because the only time I'm really willing is when I hurt really bad. And for me, the seventh step prayer is one of you know real pain of like, God, I can't take it, take it away. Then come the amends. Now, the amends, you know, when you amend something, you change it. And that's really what the amends are about. You know, they're about, you know, changing and repairing the relationships around us, you know, by making amends to the people we've harmed. And by the way, that's the people we've harmed, not the people we meant to harm, not the people we wanted to harm, but the people we actually did harm. The, uh, and whether we intended to harm them or not doesn't really matter. And the beautiful thing about this is it really does a great job of repairing relationships and sending a signal to people that you're a trustworthy person. Now, back in my eating days, you know, I had all the people around me trained to, uh, you know, feed me. And if it was some kind of event and I said, I'm sorry, I can't eat that, the translation was they were supposed to ignore any negative words in the sentence. And that meant, I can eat it. Give me more. You know, oh, I'm on a diet. Ah, translation, please give me an excuse to eat so I don't look weak. You know, that's how everybody around me was trained. But after making amends and actually, you know, sort of showing people I'd changed, then they began to believe me when I said, no, thank you, not right now. You know. As a matter of fact, you know, if people offer me food, I don't make a big deal out of it. You know, normal people turn down food all the time. You know, I don't have to go into, well, you see, I'm a food addict, and I'm a, you know, a little bit of that's going to set off a craving for more. And you see that entire big thing over there? If I started eating it, I could eat the whole thing. And as a matter of fact, I've done that in the past. Uh, now, I, I don't need to go into that with people. I just say, no, thanks. Not right now. And uh, most people don't give a crap. Um, or if they do, they realize it just means there's more for them. Hmm. So, anyways, and then we get the daily living steps, 10, 11, and 12. Step 10 is continuing to be an aware person, to do that you know, daily inventory, uh, continuous, you know, you know, continuing to basically ask yourself, where am I? Where am I physically? You know, Am I taking care of myself? Is my food clean? Am I getting rest, exercise? Or am I emotionally? Am I angry? Am I upset? You know, is there something I need to deal with here? You know, where am I spiritually? Which for me is how am I working my program? You know, did I get up on my knees this morning and pray like I usually do? You know, five minute gentle reminder. Thank you. You know, did I, you know, meditate the way I, I promised myself I will, or was did it just consist of my, you know, sitting until the scrolls in my head start chattering about the day? That's kind of normal for me. The, uh, but most of all, the spirituality of this program is working with other overreaders. You know, the spirituality of OA is not getting up to a mountaintop and chanting until the fork levitates out of our hand. No, the 
spirituality of this program is reaching out and working out with another overeater. Now, you'll notice that four out of our nine tools, and by the way, the tools of OA that we talk about at meetings, they're just the actions we take to live the 12 steps. And you'll notice that four out of those nine tools talk about working with other compulsive overeaters. That's why we go to meetings. It's why we make phone calls. It's why we do service. It's why we sponsor people. All means of interacting with other people like us. And then, of course, step 11, prayer and meditation. You know, seeking to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. You know, again, we're not a front for any particular religion or lack thereof. It's, there are plenty of great spiritual tools out there, and different people approach God in different ways. And that's cool. We don't have a monopoly on spiritual pro- programs here. And finally, step 12, we carry the message to other compulsive overeaters. You know, I emphasize you know, step 12, like step 1, is one of the steps that's different from other 12-step programs. A lot of times people come into OA with great experience in other programs and wondering, why that hasn't cured their overeating. Well, um, I've never met a substance I couldn't abuse, and I qualify for many 12-step programs. But to go to another meeting in another fellowship and hear somebody talk about, you know, a really great tale of sobriety, and then when they go to cut the cake afterwards to celebrate the anniversary, I want to join them. It doesn't really help my food. So... In order to recover from overeating, I have to work with overeaters. And that's what Step 12 is all about. So um, I'd like to close with how I work my program on a daily basis. That uh, I get up on my knees in the morning and I ask God for help. Take a few minutes of quiet time where I I try to meditate. Um, Although, again, it's usually (laughs) listen to the squirrels chattering in my head. Um, I have a sponsor that I call just about every day. And call in my food. I mean, over 41 years later, I find it helps me to plan. You know, we have a plan of eating. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And uh, I sponsor several people that I expect to hear from on a daily basis. Um, and they do more to keep me abstinent than I do for them. Because you know, I'm a really lousy sponsor. You know, I've been sponsoring people for over 40 years, and I haven't cured a single person yet. That, uh, But... My sponsees help to keep me abstinent, and you know I expect them to call me on a roughly daily basis, some text, some email. The uh, you know my style of sponsorship is a lot of short calls because I've got a short attention span, as you may have noticed. Um, you know at night I do a mental tenth step where I you know ask myself where am I physically, emotionally, spiritually. Um, the, uh, in terms of food, I eat three meals a day, nothing in between, none of my old binge foods. I've been uh, blessed with that kind of abstinence for over 15,000 days. Thank you, God. And um, that limits the amount of damage I can do in any one day. Um, I weigh and measure most of my food. There's some exceptions there. Um, the, uh, I don't eat the foods that make me crazy. And I've tried a lot of different styles of eating and food plans over the years. But, you know, when uh, when the dust settled, it was pretty much like the abstinence when I was losing the weight. You know, I'm one of those people who's sensitive to, uh, you know, starchy carbohydrates. And, uh, you know, so I don't eat them today. Because, you, know, you know, I feel less serene when I ate them. 
Um, I don't touch sugar with a five-foot pole, and that includes other sugars like honey, dextrose, fructose, you know, any kind of syrup type of stuff. Um, the uh, I was, uh, you know, years after I, I stopped eating wheat products, I was diagnosed by a doctor as being uh, allergic to both wheat and corn. And uh, again, years before anybody found out about celiac, I stopped eating, you know, the starches and the glutens, and you know, lo and behold, I actually have a gene for it. But uh, nobody really knows what the perfect food plan is. And I love the agnostic nature of OA. You know, we don't tell you what church to go to, but we don't tell you what food plan to be on. You know, and my recommendation is do what you see working for other overeaters. Uh, if one thing of eating works for you, do it. If uh, if it doesn't, try something different. And uh, so what worked for me is you know what other people recommended. It was three meals a day, nothing in between, none of my old binge foods. They warned me you're going to go through withdrawal. They were right. Wasn't pleasant, but it passed, and you only have Gentle to go reminder. through it once. And well, I'm out of time, and I'm grateful all of you are there, and thank you for allowing me to do service by telling my story, because it helps keep me out of the food for another day. So, anyways, thank you all, and with that, I will uh, turn it back over to our leader. 